This week's episode of the Cincy Shirts Podcast is brought to you by Blue Manatee. Did you know that when you buy a book from the Blue Manatee Literacy Project, they donate one to a disadvantaged child in Cincinnati? Your favorite children's bookstore in the beautiful neighborhood of Oakley in Cincinnati has a new buy one, give one mission with an even larger inventory from baby books to books for grown-ups. Now a nonprofit, the Blue Manatee Literacy Project donates a new book to a child in need who doesn't already have access to books appropriate for their age range. Since April, they've donated over 11,000 books to children in Cincinnati. With your help, they can donate even more. Visit bluemanatee.org to learn more or head to their storefront at 3094 Madison Road, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45209. Now, on with the show. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 98. Today on our show, Kevin Aldridge. Um, In the NBA, you have eight seconds to get it across half court. ABA, seven seconds. Any violation that takes place in the backcourt activates what we call the 3D light. Two-point baskets count for three points. Three-point baskets count for four points. And if you shoot a half-court shot, you get five points. You may know Kevin Aldridge for his journalistic exploits here in Southwest Ohio, including his work for the Dayton Daily News, as well as his current gig at the Cincinnati Enquirer. However, Kevin is also part owner of the Ohio Kings Ownership Group. They are a basketball team that plays in the American Basketball Association. It's like a double-A circuit akin to the ECHL in hockey in which our Cyclones play. And it's not the uh, old ABA from back in the 70s, but it's named for the old ABA back in the 70s. Uh, Kevin and I discuss that whole thing. Uh, Kevin also tells us about how he and his partners decided to start a pro basketball team here in the city, what the ABA is about and its unique structure and rules, and why they chose the nickname and much more. If you've been liking the podcast, you can support the show via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use the email address podcast at cincyshirts.com. Kick in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now let's talk to Kevin Aldridge. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Yeah, I didn't know until Regina mentioned you guys that we had a basketball team. No. Yeah. yeah, so we're so we're um, slowly getting the awareness out there. We launched. Uh, we it's a project that we've been working on for about the last couple of years. Okay. Um, just really trying to kind of trying to get everything together, ducks in a row, and then we kind of officially came out in September. Um, during a networking event that the um, African-American Chamber in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, put on for us back in mid-September. And then that was kind of our sort of official coming out where we unveiled the team uniform, sort of talked about the vision, where we were going to be playing at Cincinnati State. And since then, it's been um, sort of this process of just trying to create more awareness. Um, We did a bunch of... um, uh, TV and radio interviews, um, you know, Fox 19, sports of all sorts. We were on WLW, a few of the radio stations. Um, and then as we got closer to the season, we started purchasing some advertising on some radio spots and, and different things like that. Television a little bit more expensive, yeah. so we haven't, yep. we haven't ventured into that, into that space yet. 
Um, but slowly but surely, people are hearing about us. Um, our season opener was on Saturday um, at Cincinnati State, and we had a it was a near sellout game, which we were. Uh, very encouraged by because there was a lot going on last weekend. I mean, there was a crosstown shootout. Oh yeah, UC was uh, had their conference football game. Ohio State was playing. There were <laughs> there were a bunch of events um, going on in the city, and so we were, um, you know, the league kind of sets up our schedules for us, and so you you're somewhat at the mercy of of that. Um, but when we saw all of that going on, we weren't quite sure what we were going to expect at that first game. And then to have a near sellout at, at, uh, at Cincinnati State, it was very encouraging. So so we kind of feel like if we can continue to generate, create more awareness as more people find out about us and they want to come see the team, um, that we will we'll grow. our fan base will grow. And um, we really feel like we've put together a great team that, you know, um, will compete for a championship this year in the first year in the ABA. Uh, we really feel like we have that kind of collection of talent um, on our team. Um, we won our first game by 22 points. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So, it, so we're off to we're off to a pretty good start on a lot of different a lot of different levels. So we're just going to try to build on that momentum and, and continue to try to grow and, and see where we can where we can take it. Okay, so for uh, still folks in, the team plays in the American Basketball Association, mm-hmm. uh, the name of which is inspired by the original American Basketball Association, exactly. but has no other affiliation beyond the fact that they have the same name. That's kind of a, I don't want to say that word because it's one of our competitors and people know what I'm thinking. Yes. It's kind of an honor to uh, to the original American Basketball Association and, and the spirit of that league. So how is the current American Basketball Association set up? I've looked it up a little bit. There's a lot of teams in it. Yes, and, yes. Uh, so how, what, what's the structure like? Is- so the so the structure of the league, and, and just to give you a little bit of history on that, so a gentleman by the name of Joe Newman, he had, he's out of Indianapolis. He has uh, a lot of advertising. Uh, he ran his own advertising firm in Indianapolis, and he's been behind a lot of things. He was involved with the Indianapolis Colts organization for a while. He was one of the uh, masterminds behind the Indiana uh, Black Expo that was there in Indianapolis for uh, for a number of years, and so he's he's got a lot of strong business background. So back in '99, he bought the rights to the name American Basketball Association, and sort of reconstituted the league, but kept some of the the trappings from the old ABA. So we play with the red, white, and blue basketball, oh, cool. which, was, okay. which was kind yeah. of the signature thing from the from the ABA. And so um, over the last 20 years, he's he's been kind of experimenting with the league and. And kind of trying to fine tune it to get it to where uh, to where he wanted it to be, and so now he has over 150 teams um, in the United States and Canada, and there are a few overseas. But the way that the league mostly works is that the teams that are in the United States. Um, we compete regionally. So yes, uh, we compete in a division called the North Central Division. So there are about 22 teams in there, and they basically are from the states of Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, um, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Kentucky. So that those states sort of comprise our division, and so there are 22 teams in that division. We don't play all 22. We play a um, – most ABA teams play a 22-game ske- or a 20-game schedule. I'm sorry, 20-game regular season schedule, 10 home games, 10 away games. But because we were an expansion team, we had the option to play 16 games. Um, they use that as kind of for new teams as a way to kind of ease in, um, to not put too much stress on you from a business standpoint. So 16 games sort of allows you to okay. to kind of – 
you know, ease your way into the league. They, they want to make sure the team stays solvent and are profitable. And, uh, so they do a lot of things to try to help first year teams, uh, be successful and profitable and, and be able to be around for a while. And so you have the option to play a 16 game season or 20 game season. Uh, we opted for the 16 game schedule. Um, but we're going to play, but we actually are playing a few more games than that. We're actually playing a 17 game season, uh, or, um, or actually, I'm sorry, 18. We're actually playing an 18 game season, 11 home games and seven road games. So we'll play uh, 10 games at Cincinnati State, seven games on the road, and then we have one game that we're going to play um, in Middletown at the Middletown High School Arena. Okay. Uh, there, the three owners were were Middletown guys. We were born and raised there. Graduated uh-huh. from Middletown High School. All okay. of us played basketball there. So, so that 11th home game was something we kind of added on at the end as a way to kind of go back home and. Um, you know, pay, pay a little homage to our to our hometown and, and give the folks there who've supported us through years an opportunity to see Ohio Kings basketball because uh, there's some folks who, you know, who live there who probably won't make it down make to it Cincinnati down, yeah. to see our games. Um, and it also gives us an opportunity to kind of um, reach out into that market because our market reach is actually Dayton to Cincinnati. So it'll give us an opportunity to, to also raise awareness in those markets, Butler, Warren County, Montgomery County. Um, and try to draw fans from there, much like the Bengals, you know, yeah. much like the Bengals and the Reds do. So, um, yeah, so that's the, uh, so that's kind of the way that works. We, we play in those regions, teams compete in the regions, and then you have your division winners and maybe one or two other teams that'll come out of a division that'll go to a playoff. And then you compete in a NCAA style kind of single elimination yeah. tournament to play for the ABA championship that, uh, that's at a location to be determined. Uh, I think last year they held a, the ABA playoffs in, I think it was in St. Louis, if, if I'm oh. not mistaken. A couple of years ago they were in San Antonio, so they sort of move the ABA championships around to different areas. And in the hierarchy of basketball, where does it rank if, you know, the NBA is the pro? Is it triple A? Is it double A? Is it? Yeah, so it's it's probably double A if you're thinking about, you know, sort of like from a basketball standpoint. So you've got the NBA, which is the Premier League. Then you sort of have the G League and the D League, which are sort of like the developmental you know, sort of like farmly. So I guess that would be the triple A equivalent. Those would be the triple A equivalent to in baseball to, to basketball. And so we're, we're in that next layer of, uh, of professional basketball leagues. Uh, there are a few of them. There's the ABA, there's the TBL. I think there's the EBL. So there, okay. there are about two or three other leagues that sort of fall into that double A type category. Um, and then of course there are, you know, the professional leagues that are, that are overseas that are sort of like the, kind of like the triple A, uh, type, uh, systems that a lot of NBA teams, you know, pull from, um, as well. So, so we see ourselves as a, as a platform to help guys, you know, make that next step to some of those triple, you know, triple A leagues, whether it's overseas or the G League or the D League. Um, and in fact, we've, we've got a couple of guys who are already kind of getting some looks. Um, already who, who might be, um, uh, ready to make that transition. Um, in fact, my coach was just telling me last night when we were on the phone that uh, a couple of guys are going to be coming out to our game on Saturday. Uh, agents are going to be coming out to our game on Saturday to check out some of our guys. So, and I imagine with basketball, it's difficult because it, you have the smallest roster, uh, as opposed to hockey, baseball, and football, obviously. So the right. opportunities are probably a lot, uh, 
a lot scarcer. Yeah, and and that's one of the things. Like I, I try to tell people when you talk about uh, semi-professional basketball, sometimes people minimize that and and they'll say, oh, that's you know that's rec league ball, like Y league and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, these guys are really good. It's like it gives you an appreciation for how elite the NBA level athletes really are. And, and you sort of articulated it like they're 12 man rosters, you know, so there's a very limited number of, was it 30, 32 teams in the NBA. So there's, there, there are not a lot of available spots on professional teams. So there are a lot of really talented guys who are out there, you know, playing in leagues like the ABA and, you know, the, the EBL in these other leagues, um, still trying to, you know, keep their dreams alive of making it, you know, to professional basketball and, and, uh, teams like the Ohio Kings and others allow players like that to, to keep that, uh, uh, open and, and, you know, say for a break here or there, you know, we know timing is everything and, and yep. no matter what business we're talking about and particularly in sports. So, um, you know, it's all about opportunity. Who can see you, how, how these guys can de- continue to develop their skills and their game and, and um, and I know a lot of our guys are excited about the opportunity. So the the balance of players like that, we had a guy from the Cyclones on, mm-hmm. and I asked him this. Uh, I uh, wrote an article about the old Cincinnati Marshals indoor football team. I remember mm-hmm. them, and I, mm-hmm. uh, I wrote it for City Beat. And I was asking the coach one time, I said, well, what's the roster makeup like? And he said, well, it's, I basically have two guys here. Uh, one, these are guys who are trying to move up. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get as much film as they can. They're going to yes. send on to the Arena League, which is the level up, and then hopefully mm-hmm. to the NF. And other guys just can't imagine not playing. They're not trying to get film. They're not trying. They know they're not going to get a job in the Arena League. They just want to play, yeah. but at a competitive level. But what's kind of the breakdown of the ABA in, in that respect? Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's very much the same thing. I mean, I think you have some guys who um, – want to who just love the game of basketball and they want to be affiliated with something they want to be a part of the team and and uh, they enjoy working out and staying in shape and they they have the passion for the game and so they're looking for opportunities to to keep that alive uh then there are guys who are very much still chasing their professional dreams and are looking to move up to the next level i think that's the majority of the guys on our team is that they're uh they're pursuing um you know trying to keep that dream alive we got we have one young man on our team named Muhammad Fall, who actually played overseas and uh, had an opportunity to experience that and, um, you know, basically uh, had to come back to the States after that. It, you know, I'm not sure of all of the particulars, but it didn't work out there for him. But he's trying to get back. So that's this is uh, this is one of his last opportunities. He's a young man. He's he's 33 years old. And we all know sort of in basketball years, 33 yeah. is is a bit is a bit older. It's not um, in, in, in real life terms, 33. He's a young man. But in basketball terms, 33 is you're closer to the end of your career than uh, than you are the beginning and so he's making he's trying to make one last push to to get back overseas and he would be content you know if he were able to do that to get one more look at, at playing overseas i think he probably realizes that you know the a, the nba dream is not there but yeah but he would relish the opportunity to get uh to get one more shot to play overseas so so i think we've got guys who are at different levels um in terms of of you know what their professional pursuits are but the passion for basketball is there for all of them yeah, I know I'm a, a big student of defunct 
uh, sports leagues. <laughs> and a lot of people make fun of them. But there's a, a common theme through all of those. And I know the ABA is perfectly healthy now, but the, but even through minor leagues is that, you know, people forget, well, yeah, it's funny. These teams come and go and there's all these stories about, you know, the, the shoestring budget and everything like that. But people forget is that these are, and it's mostly guys in this case, although mm-hmm. there are some women's professional leagues, but, you know, these guys, they, they just want to play and they, yeah. they just have a passion for the game. And like in the old World Football League, those guys played, they wound up playing for free because the owners ran out of money, mm-hmm. but they all had this camaraderie with each other. And they're like, well, we're, we'll stick with each other. We're going to go on and play just for each other. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, look, you you got to have, I mean, to... To put in the work that these guys put in, to work out, to stay in shape, to keep trying to develop your skills, you gotta love the game of basketball. I mean, to, to be a professional at any level, you gotta love what you, you gotta love what you do. Otherwise, you like go off and do something else, right? And, um, and yeah, I think, you know, I, I do think it's a mistake to kind of, you know, make fun of these leagues and, and to minimize them because, um, and I think folks who come out to see the Ohio Kings will see this. When, when you see the, the heart and the passion and the determination that these guys play with, you can't help but cheer for them. You can't help but, you know, want to root them on and, and embrace them. And I think, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of a, a, a neat experience as I was sort of walking around the arena Saturday, interacting with some of the fans. Um, that they were already developing favorite players, uh, you know, on the team. So, you know, when our, when our coach, Lannis Timmons would take, uh, one of the guys out of the game, you know, fans would be, Oh no, they're taking my favorite player. I like him, you know, so it's, it, it you know, it's just a great, it's a great atmosphere. It's great for the guys, you know, our, I know our guys were very appreciative of the fans who showed up and supported them. They talked about how that really fueled them in their play. Uh, you know, seeing the, the amount of support that we had in that first game. And so that's what our hope is, is that Cincinnati will, will kind of get behind this and, and support it because I think we can ho- have a whole heck of a lot of fun in Cincinnati if, if the city can get behind the team. It's a challenging market too, because I was uh, thinking as I was preparing for the interview too, um, you know, Major League Baseball and the NHL, mm-hmm. uh, the, the farm system, there's a lot of farm systems there mm-hmm. in leagues, but in basketball and football, you don't really have that. And I guess it's largely because the college game in those sports is so huge. And you're yeah. in a town here and now you've got UC and Xavier, but Dayton right up the road, Northern Kentucky now is yeah. Division One. Uh, and how, how do you find your guys' niche there? Yeah, so, People ask me about that all the time, you know, like, do we see ourselves as competition with like UC and Xavier and these other, these other sports? And it, and at this point, what I always tell people is no, we're, we're carving out a niche right now in a market where we feel like, um, there are a whole lot of people who love basketball, but who may not be Xavier, UC people, not going to those games, not paying yeah. the ticket prices. Not to go to those schools. So. Yeah, yeah. To, you know, they have no loyalty to it, but they, they love basketball and they want to see basketball. So what we've been focused on is, is carving out, you know, an Ohio Kings fan base. Not that we're trying to poach fan bases from any of those because they've got loyal following. Sure. And, and if we pick up some of those fans along the way, they want to come and experience um, Ohio Kings basketball. That's a great thing. We'll be glad to have them. We, we want all the fans that we can get. But but we really feel like there's there's an audience out there for the kind of, you know, entertaining, family friendly, um, you know, you really got to come out and see and experience some of our games because it's got it's got all of the feel of kind of like a, a, a high level NBA college game, along with, you know, a little bit of the showmanship of a of a universal circus type. I mean, it really is a really great and fun atmosphere that we've tried to create a unique 
experience. We've, we're giving free haircuts to kids at the game. So we've got barbers, um, right there in the gym where the game's being played, cutting hair for the kids. They can look out and see. We've got a young woman who's doing, um, you know, arts and crafts there, finger painting. So the kids can, you know, come. Um, you know, get messy, do some artwork all in the midst of the game. So they're like, there's a little bit of something for everybody there in addition to some really great basketball. So we really tried to create a product that, that, um, that had great basketball, but had a lot of other things around the game that could be entertaining. Um, you know, we've really tried to engage the community, bringing in community dance teams, bands, um, you know, local performers, um, those types of things to create an environment for the game that's, uh, that's a little bit unique and different. So, so we're not trying to compete with the Reds or the Bengals. Look, these are, these are million dollar organizations yeah. that, you know, have way more money to spend on marketing, way more history, way more brand recognition than we've got at this point. We'd be fools to think that at this point we could we could compete with that. But we do think that we've got a product that can cater to a particular audience that's that's in Cincinnati. And right now we're going to try to to stay in that lane and see if we can grow it. So our so our budget, our business model, everything is sort of catering to that to that lane trying to work that lane as best we can. That's why we chose the venue at Cincinnati State versus trying to go to U.S. Bank Arena. Um, you know, we did a lot of research and we talked to some folks who had tried to make basketball work in Cincinnati before. And one of the things that the feedback that we got is, you know, some of those teams tried to go to the U.S. Bank. They tried to go to the big arenas, 16, 17,000 seat arenas. And, you know, you can draw four or five thousand people to that game, but in an arena like that, it still looks empty. Yeah. And if it looks empty, it says to people, this, this is not successful. Yeah, this yeah. isn't a thing. This isn't successful. So one of the things we kind of took from FC, Cincinnati, and, you know, when I, I went to a couple of their games early, I'm not even a soccer fan. I don't even like soccer. Never played soccer. <laughs> don't like soccer. Don't know even, don't even really know much about soccer and the rules. But, um, I went to one of their games and they created such an intimate environment there at Nippert. It was, it was just sort of like a great venue for them. Um, Nippert's still a pretty big space that they were able to fill, but it wasn't as big as like Paul Brown Stadium. Right. Right. So it, it was an intimate environment. You know, the way that the fans interacted, it was kind of like a family atmosphere. People were having a good time. Um, and we thought something worked with that and we said, so we're not going to try to do this thing in the big arenas. Um, let's try to find a intimate venue, pack that place out, create a demand for it, create an intimate environment among the fan base there, similar to what FC did at Nippert, and kind of see where this thing, where we can go with this thing. You know, it's better to have a smaller venue and then have to look to upgrade because you've got a great demand yeah, true. than to and have too to big of a venue yeah. and then have to scale down. And I mean, all of that says failure, not success. Right. And so we were, we were very cognizant of that as we were trying to figure out like, what's our business model and how are we going to kind of build this thing? So, so our thing right now is, Hey, this is the lane we're in. Let's work this lane to death, you know, grow it and then. You know, let's see if we can get to U.S. Bank Arena or something like that one day. If we can, if we can build the brand, the, the fan following, and the loyalty, and create a lot of excitement around the team. 
So the original ABA, of course, uh, tried to set itself apart a bit with some different uh, rules mm-hmm. to the game, mm-hmm. which the purists back then were not keen on. Does, yeah. does the uh, current ABA have any different rules? Than yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so that's good. That's a great question. Um, I've done a lot of interviews, and you might be the very first person who's asked me about the different ABA rules um, in the interview. So um, the ABA does have some different rules. So the first different rule is is the we play um, so the ABA is 48 minutes so 12 four 12 minute quarters and it's it's sort of a guard driven league so you know you're not going to see a ton of 611 seven footers okay. in the in the ABA it's a it's a very guard driven league very fast pace and so you have a lot of high scoring games um, many ABA games you know we scored 124 points in our in our opening game um, and and that may be on the lower end of what some ABA teams um, score some ABA teams score 150, 160 points. So it's a very fast-paced game. Um, in the NBA, you have eight seconds to get it across half court. ABA, seven seconds. So um, very got to get it across that half court line very quickly. That Again, that's designed to increase the pace of the game so that you don't spend a lot of time dribbling around, messing around in the backcourt. You got to push the ball up the court, um, get it up the court. Um, the ABA also has a rule where um, if you have a, a, a backcourt violation, so any violation that takes place in the backcourt activates what we call the 3D light. And when the 3D light is on, two-point baskets count for three points. Oh. Three-point baskets count for four points. Whoa. And if you shoot a half-court shot, you get five points. So. Huh. So all of the scoring gets jacked up during a period where the 3D light is activated. And so the referees during the course of the game, uh, we, we actually have someone on our scores table who monitors the 3D light. And so whenever there's a violation that activates the 3D light, the officials indicate to the scores table, hey, hit the 3D light. And then the officials let the, the person know like when the 3D light is to be deactivated. So it's so a certain amount of time, like in hockey where it's a two-minute penalty. Yeah, it, it, exactly, okay. exactly. So – um, so that's a that's a fun part of the game because yeah. you know that that's one of the reasons why you see the the in addition to the faster pace that's one of the reasons why you see some of the higher scores in an ABA game is because you know if you have you know four or five you know three D light you know uh, periods during a game you know you could see how that could jack up your uh, jack up your scores so that's that's one of the fun parts of, of uh, the game and one of the different rules uh, another different ABA rule is in the NBA six fouls a player is out of the game uh, in the ABA you can't foul out um, so but when a player gets his sixth personal foul a coach can elect to keep that player in the game but every foul he commits thereafter is a technical foul where the team oh. gets a free foul shot and the ball. So if you have a key player who uh, who hits six fouls in the NBA, he'd be out of the game and you'd just be out of your best player. In the ABA, you can elect to keep that player in the game, but it comes potentially at a cost. Because you got to figure teams are going to target that guy. They're going to drive the ball at him, try to get him to commit fouls so that they can get the technical – the the free foul shot and the ball. So there's risk reward that goes, uh, that goes along with that. So, so it's not one of those situations where it's a hack fest, you know, sort of yeah, thing yeah. because players can't foul out, but it does allow coaches the flexibility to determine whether they want to keep key players in the game or whether they want to run the risk of, of, um, of having technicals and giving up the ball on, on possession. So, so those are, uh, those are the, the unique rules that the ABA kind of plays with. 
Okay. So let's talk about you. You said you were yeah. from Middletown? Yeah, Middletown, Ohio. Born and raised there. Middletown um, High School? Middletown High School. Middies? Middies, yeah. yeah. Played, uh, played there from... Um, 1988 to 1992 um, in Middletown, graduated from there and played uh, at Wittenberg University um, in Springfield, Ohio, played one year of basketball there um, at Wittenberg and then um, decided to focus on uh, focus on my studies uh, there and uh, became a journalist, graduated from oh, okay. uh, Wittenberg University with a uh, degree in English with a concentration in journalism. Um, and I've been working as a professional journalist for the last 25 years. My day job is the opinion edit as the opinion editor of the Cincinnati Inquirer. So um, I've been doing that. Yeah, I thought your name was familiar when yeah, yeah. I'm like, I know this name, but I don't know if I know it's connected to sports. Episode. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. That's- so most most people in Cincinnati will know me from from that role, from my okay. role as the opinion editor at the Inquirer. Um, and I've been at the Inquirer off and on for about the last uh, 20, 25 years. I uh, worked there uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s as a reporter. Uh, for about eight years. And then I left in 2005 to go work for Cox Media Group, um, which owns the Dayton Daily News, yeah. Atlanta Journal Constitution, um, and some other papers. And I worked there for 10 and a half years as an editor. Um, for, Let me ask you something uh, real sure. quick, because mm-hmm. it reminds me, because whenever I'm up in Dayton, I always go to the Dayton Daily News because mm-hmm. I love that paper. Mm-hmm. And not to knock your current employer, but the paper's gotten a bit thin. It's sure, really sure. the USA Today now, <laughs> and which is fine. I love the USA Today. Right? Right. I grew up with it. Mm-hmm. But it seems that the Dayton Daily News is still a really healthy paper in a much smaller market. And why is that? Is it just the, the demographic is older and they're used to reading newspapers or is it just they've just done that good a job of staying in people's consciousness as a, as a news source? Yeah. So I think one of the things that people have to understand is that Cox, that Cox for a long time was privately owned. So it was owned by um, the uh, so former the former governor Cox, who also ran for president of the United States. That family owned uh, the Dayton Daily News and, and the Cox newspapers for a long time. And so when you're a privately owned newspaper, you're not subject to the the same uh, market and industry uh, demands that a pay, that a company like Gannett that's publicly traded uh, is. And so um, when I worked for Cox Media, we were able to weather a lot of things because uh, the family uh, had the attitude that as long as the papers were profitable, um, you you know, they they weren't concerned about profit margins, whereas when you're publicly uh, yeah. owned, you got to answer to your shareholders. And so uh, so Cox and Dayton and those papers were able to weather um, much better some of the changes in the industry than companies like Gannett were able to weather. So that's why you see um, – uh, they were able to have the more robust papers, and and in fact, when I worked there, that was uh, that was a bit of the strategy. Is you know when other news companies were going this way, uh, let's invest more in the traditional look and and feel of uh, of those newspapers. And so, um, so I think that's the biggest difference in the, why you've seen why they haven't had to make some of the decisions that that you know papers like the Inquirer and other publicly traded newspapers have. Now, as that company has changed, you know, they recently uh, sold and were bought by um, a new paper company. And they're actually going to be reducing for the time being. They're, they're actually going to go to printing their product three days a week. So they're no longer going to be daily newspapers in Dayton anymore. Oh, bummer. Um, yeah. So 
so sort of things are, are always kind of catch up at the yeah. end over time. But, but um, you know, because they were privately held, they they were able to, and and because of the family's attitude, you know, business attitude towards business and profit margin, um, they were they were insulated for a lot longer than a lot of uh, other publicly traded companies. Okay, so back to basketball. Sure, sure. <laughs> Sidetrack into that. Yeah, no, um, that's a great question. So. Uh, your lifelong fan of basketball, do you harbor a notion of, you know, ever starting? So when I'm a, I was a kid, I had my video games. I would just make my own little leagues. Oh, yeah. I always tried to get oh, leagues. Yeah. When, we had the, when we had the handheld video games, uh, I in my homeroom, we all mm-hmm. – I had a baseball league in the spring and a football league and this, everybody yeah. had a team and we all did that. So any dreams of starting your own league or did, was, did some guys approach you and say, hey, we should start a league? Yeah. So, so it's interesting. Yeah. So it's – so we've always – so me and the other two guys uh, – uh, Kevin Kevin L Aldridge who is my uh is my cousin we have the same name and that's a whole another story we could do a whole my other my nephew and his cousin from my sister-in-law's side of the family they didn't realize they had named also Kevin by the way yeah did not realize they and they were born a, uh, a couple weeks apart but didn't realize they had chosen the same name yeah until it actually happened they were, wait we chose that name we've already got so yeah yeah so it's, it's not kinda, common actually yeah, exactly so yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's so it's kind of crazy but we could do a whole other podcast on that <laughs> uh, and then our other partner um, Kelvin Moss you know we over the years we always used to talk about man how would it how great would it be to be like a GM for a yeah, for like the Lakers or to own our own team, and so when this opportunity came around to to join the ABA, and of course after we did our research and looked into it, it's like man, we you know this is stuff you talk about as kids, is and as you're growing up, and it's like you know now as professionals and being smart with our money and doing investings and things of that nature, we're in a position to actually pursue a dream, right? And um, you know one of the things that I always think is the difference between people who are successful and the people who kind of aren't or are those people who are willing to chase after their dreams to, you know, make, you know, take risks, but smart risks, but go after what they want. And and after we sat down and talked about it, we were like, why not? You know, if it doesn't work out, at least we could say, you know, we, yeah. we went after we went after our dream and tried to make it work and and we'll have stories to tell about one day how we how we used to own this basketball team that's the worst possible scenario the best possible scenario is is this becomes a really big thing in Cincinnati that people get behind and it's something that's around for 25 30 you know 40 50 years and that would be a great thing a legacy for us to pass along to our uh, you know to pass down to our families and future generations and to really create a a lasting business um you know for us and and to help other people uh, make their dreams come true and have an impact on the community of Cincinnati because we all love Cincinnati. We all love Middletown. Um, you know, we want this to be a success, not just from a financial standpoint from our end. I mean, obviously, that's very important. But, you know, but we want to make a difference, you know, in Cincinnati. We want to make a difference in the lives of young kids, you know, young African-American kids, young Caucasian kids, young Hispanic kids and say to them, you know, you guys can do the same thing that we're doing. If you dream big, if you're smart, if you're smart with your money, if you treat people well and develop good relationships, um, that, you know, all of these things are important, you know, for you achieving the dreams and things that you want. And so, so that's as exciting to us as it is, you know, making money off of this thing is, is, you know, being an example for other people for how they can do the same thing that we're trying to do right now. 
So you approached the ABA and said, we'd like an expansion team? Or they keep it at a, try to keep the regions at a set number or they did look more Yeah, like- so, they, so, they, so they basically have markets. And so one of the things that they don't want to have is, is too many teams in one market cannibalizing each other because, right. you, you know, you sort of recognize that um, to, make this, um, to make this business model work, um, you have to uh, uh, be able to – you know, attract a fan base. And so they don't want two teams in Cincinnati. In fact, when we entered into the, uh, the, um, ABA, there was a team in Kentucky, Northern Kentucky called the Kentucky Enforcers. And they had oh. been, they had been playing in Cincinnati for a couple of years. Uh, but while they had great players, um, they didn't have necessarily the, the business side of their operation wasn't as good as their basketball side of the operation. So a lot of people didn't, you know, didn't know about them. And so, um, that, that matters in terms of being able to keep your team solvent and, and, uh, and, and have a su- successful team. They, by all accounts, they had one of the best teams in the ABA from a competitive standpoint, but when it's tough to make a go of it business wise, yeah. um, um, you know, it, that can be a challenge. So, um, so there was some question when we first started, uh, talking about coming to Cincinnati about, um, was that going to be a challenge for the Kentucky enforcers? Because being in Northern, Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati might have been considered a little bit of, of part of their market share. Uh, but they wound up moving their team to a different league. Which sort oh, of, okay. which sort of, kind of cleared, which sort of took that off the the cannibalization mm-hmm. conversation, kind of took that off the table, and so um, sort of freeing us up to to have that that you know that market share. So yeah, so the so what you have to do is you gotta. We sat down and we had a um, conversation with the president of the league. Um, told him we were interested in bringing a team to the Cincinnati Dayton market. Uh, of course, you have to, um, after your application, you have to obviously have the money to pay the franchise fee yeah. to, to purchase the rights to bring the team and play in the league. And, uh, and so we had to, we had to put forth that, you know, that down payment, um, you know, to reserve the market. And, uh, and then once we did that, um, uh, the league announced us on their website as their newest expansion team, you know, uh, put out a press release about us and the ownership. And then um, it was sort of off uh, off from there for us. So who decided on the name? Um, so that was my other two partners. They uh, they kind of came up with the name. Uh, the Kings, obviously, uh, sort of a throwback to the uh, to the Cincinnati Royals, the uh-huh. the old NBA team here in Cincinnati. Uh, we didn't want to do a rip off the Royals. We kind of felt sure. like we kind of felt like that's a, that that deserves a special place in Cincinnati sports history. Well, that, as we found out, the Sacramento Kings would want to have a word with you. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. <laughs> so we didn't uh, we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to. We wanted that to be we felt very strongly that the Royals was a part of Cincinnati history and that deserved that it that it deserved its own place and we wanted to preserve that so we didn't want to we didn't want to take the Royals name at all and kind of try to use that and it would have been very easy to kind of think about calling ourselves the you know the Ohio Royals or something yeah. different along those lines but we uh, we wanted to preserve that so we thought the Kings would be a um uh, a good uh, good version of that. And then we also opted to go with Ohio instead of Cincinnati. People always say, well, why didn't you go with Cincinnati in the name? And part of the reason why we went with Ohio was uh, thinking about it purely from a marketing standpoint. Um, the fact that we are 
Cincinnati Dayton regional team. Um, we wanted, um, we wanted to make those areas feel like they were as much a part of, uh, uh, our team and had as much ownership in our team as Cincinnati, even though we were going to be based there. So that's a little bit of the the thought process behind why we went with the name Ohio Kings um, instead of like, you know, using the Royals or using Cincinnati in the name. Uh, but everybody, you know, we always talk about Cincinnati. Um, uh, make no mistake. We, we let people know this is our home and where we're at. But uh, but we also want, you know, folks in the regions north to feel like this is a part of their their thing, too. And are the games broadcast at all? Yeah, so one of the things that we're working on right now, the league, uh, the ABA uh, just released this new streaming service that they have called Zingo uh, TV. And if you go to our website, theohiokings.com, you can see it. Um, and the league is trying to encourage all of the teams to um, stream their games live. So some ABA teams have a very sophisticated operation. They've got broadcast teams that do their game, and, and they do it up really well. In fact, the team we played uh, this past, past Saturday, Akron, they have a great broadcast team who does their games and and so they live stream they live stream all of their games and so we're trying to develop that um, we may not have it early in the season for, you know, for the first month because we're still trying to get our broadcast team and everybody together and, and really kind of try to figure out how to put forth the best thing because we don't want to just dump video on there. Yeah. Um, and it not be, uh, high quality or professionally done. Um, cause impressions matter and we want to make sure that when people, uh, see something affiliated with the Ohio Kings that it looks good, that it's in, in good order. And if it's not, we're just not going to do it. Um, we're not going to put something out there that's not high quality that people can enjoy and, uh, and see. And so we'd rather take our time with it and get it right and be able to stream, you know, do a high quality stream for people. So that may take us, you know, a couple of games to get all of that together. Uh, but once we will, I think maybe in the second half of our uh, season, maybe the, the latter half, five, six games, um, folks should be able to to, to subscribe to Zingo. I think it's $1.99 a month uh, to subscribe to the uh, to the service to be able to see the, sh- the streaming games. But they'll not only be able to see Ohio Kings games, but they'll be able to look at the other teams around the ABA and kind of familiarize themselves with other teams if they feel so inclined to, yeah, yeah. to want to learn more about the league. Or maybe they're from somewhere else in their hometown. Yeah. I was shocked to find out my hometown in Cleveland has a uh, minor league hockey team. Yeah, well, we play a we play a team from Cleveland uh, in the. They have their own ABA team as well, which we'll be playing. Uh, we'll be playing them. I think it's the uh, the Cleveland Blazers is is their name. So we'll be playing them. Uh, they'll be coming here to play us, and we'll be going there to play them. So who are some of the other teams people might be want to get started, get familiar with at least in our. Uh, like who are the top teams in the re- the region we play in? Yeah, so the top team, um, the, the, a team called the Steel City Yellow Jackets. They're out of Pittsburgh. Uh, they uh-huh. actually won our division last year. And so uh, at the league meeting this summer, uh, the owner and and I were kind of having a little bit of fun because you know there's that that good old Pittsburgh Cincinnati rivalry oh, yeah. uh, with professional football, and so uh, we were kind of having a little bit of fun with that at the league meeting, saying, hey, you know, we're really gonna. We're going to play, play up this rivalry. You know, you guys won the division. We're coming for you, you know, and, uh, and, you know, there's kind of this love hate relationship between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. So, so we were kind of having some fun with that. Um, in fact, they're our very first away game, um, that, um, that we, uh, that we play in January. Um, we have, uh, so our first four games of the season are at home and then we go on the road, um, to play Pittsburgh, Steel City. 
Yellow Jackets. So we're we're looking forward to that. They're sort of the class of the division, and so uh, we're looking forward to going and, and hanging a he- hanging an L on them when we uh, <laughs> on their home court when we go to play them. Um, and then of course. Um, I mentioned Cleveland has a team. Akron, who we just played, has a team. Um, We play a team out of Chicago. Um, uh, We play a team out of Indianapolis called the the Indiana Lions. Uh, The South Bend Monarchs, another uh, Indiana team, they're coming into our gym on this coming Saturday, uh, December 14th, um, to play us there. Let's see, where, who else are we playing? Uh, Michigan, we play a couple of teams out of Michigan. Detroit, a team called the Movement, um, or I'm sorry, um, Team Network out of Detroit, their team out of Detroit that we're going to be playing. Um, Westlake, um, or West Michigan Lakehawks is another team that we're going to be playing. So, um, those are some of the teams that are out of our division. Uh, Wisconsin has a team that's actually really good, uh, but we elected not to play them this year. That's a pretty good haul. They, they, huh. probably about a 10 hour, uh, 10 hour. Oh, trip. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're trying to, uh, trying to keep our travel you know, reasonable for this first season. And so we'll probably wind up playing them perhaps next year. Uh, but they're a really good team. We got a team out of Maryland that'll be coming into our gym. The Maryland Bulldogs, um, are going to be coming in and playing us. So they're, uh, they're a really good team. Um, but the class of the ABA is a team called the Jacksonville Giants. They've won the ABA championship like four out of the last six years. They're, That's Jacksonville, they, Florida. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're they're a juggernaut. They're sort of like the ABA's version of the of the Golden State Warriors, and uh, really a well run organization. They probably draw about seven eight thousand fans to their wow. games. Um, um, they're, uh, they have an attorney who's sort of their owner who sort of backs that team. So they've got, they've got a pretty, pretty good ownership group, um, down there running their team and, uh, very great team. So they're, they're one of the organizations that we tried to, uh, model ourselves after. Um, and, you know, we really want to be, uh, on the same level both competitively and organizationally as Jacksonville, you know, we want to be considered to be one of those model organizations for the ABA. So everything that we've done has been uh, with chasing them in mind and, and uh, would love to be able to um, uh, challenge them this year, uh, you know, for the championship, but, you know, we're one game in, so we got a lot of work to do before that, but, but, you know, uh, we're organization that prides ourselves with a championship mentality. So, uh, so that's what we're, uh, that's what we're chasing after. Do ABA teams ever play each other out of their region? Like maybe yeah. if it were in Cincinnati, we're probably at the bottom of the region geographically. Yeah. Nashville's only down the road a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't even know if they have a team, but yeah, so they do play out of the region sometimes? Yeah. So Maryland, uh, for example, the Maryland Bulldogs, they're not in our, they're not in our region, okay. but, uh, but they, they wanted to play us this season. So we had, you know, we had a conversation at the league meeting with some of the other managers there. And that's, that's really ha- kind of how you begin to kind of talk about what, how your schedule is going to take shape. And, uh, and they were really, they were willing to, they wanted to come to Cincinnati. You know, they were, they were playing, uh, I think they're playing a team, um, and they're playing the Chicago team. And um, they said, "Hey, why don't we stop by Cincinnati on our way back oh, okay. from Chicago and and give you guys a give you guys a game?" And we're like, "Hey, great!" So, um, so I think teams that 
you know, well-established teams, well-run teams from business standpoint, they do travel outside of their region. And, and that's ultimately where we want to get to. We want to, if we're able to build the Ohio Kings and we're able to grow and we're able to finance trips, you know, um, like that to Jacksonville, Florida, and some of these other places, uh, that's where we want to grow the team. We want to go to Jacksonville. We want to play them. We want them to come here. We want to play the best teams in the ABA. I mean, I think that's how you uh, grow fan base and you create excitement around the team. You you want to be the best. You want to play the best and create those. That's one of the things I hate about college football. Sometimes is that uh, some of the oh, best yeah. games, some of the yeah. best games in college football, are when you get the LSU's and the Alabamas and the Ohio States and you know uh, these top teams playing each other. Uh, you know, while the the seventy one to, to to ten games that you know you run up the scores, you know that might be fun to see. They're not necessarily super entertaining. No. and so that that's the way we want to be. We want to we want to play against the best teams and and put forth the best games for our fans because we think that's what gets people excited is when they really see really good basketball, uh, some of the best talent in the league playing against you know other you know, really great talent. So, so we want to build to that. And, and, um, we think we've got a great schedule this year just within our region. Uh, but next year, um, you know, if we're able to do that, we really want to grow and kind of compete against the best teams in the ABA. And, uh, the current ABA has been around for what, uh, a while yeah, now. Yeah, since 99. They're, that's the, what I thought. The league is about 20 years old. Yeah, know? so mm-hmm. that's got to help too that you're, yeah. you're, you're not in some upstart league right. on top of the fact they're an expansion team. And I still think, you know, um, and we talk about this sometimes at the at the league meetings, you know, when you've got so many teams um, competing in the ABA, you have – I mean, but it, but really it's no different than any other league, really, when you think about it. You have some franchises that are very, uh, very successful, very well run, and then you have some organizations that um, are maybe not as well run, maybe a little bit more frugal, you know, with their budgets, uh, you know. Bengals have kind of been accused of being one of those teams in the NFL who run a tight ship, you know. And so um, with 100-plus teams, sometimes it can be very difficult to create an environment where every owner is interested in the overall health of the league as opposed to the overall health of their team. And I think one of the things that the ownership has been talking about with the ABA increasingly is is how can teams come together and begin to do things that are for the greater good of the overall of the league and of the image of the league and not just our individual teams within within the market. And so what are some ways that that um, that we can collectively come together and do things to support other teams and to support the league so that we can grow awareness, you know, about the ABA? Because that's one of the things I've run into in Cincinnati is is people like I didn't know the ABA was still around, or I didn't even know that they were. I knew it was still around. Yeah. I didn't know about you guys, so Regina told us. Yeah, and so so it's like not just you know. So we're thinking about it not just from the standpoint of you know. Raising awareness about our brand, about the Ohio Kings, but it's also important that people understand the league that we're playing in as well and that, you know, the history of that league and how many teams are out there. So as we're selling the Ohio Kings, we're also selling the ABA and the awareness of the ABA and trying to get people familiarized with, you know, hey, this is the same league with Dr. J with the red, white, blue basketball and all that good, good stuff. Um, it's, it's a very, it's the, the same league name, same principles, but a variation on it. Um, yeah, yeah. 
And so, so yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're in an education campaign and education phase right now. And so as people learn more through, you know, great podcasts like this that, you know, that reach a lot of folks and, and we're able to educate, uh, hopefully folks will go online and check us out and check out the ABA and do their homework and, uh, and more importantly, come out and see the game and just see how really, how really a, a much of a fun, great product this is. Well, that regional aspect really, in a, on a way, in a way that seems like it would be unwieldy and kind of crazy that you would have 100 teams. But mm-hmm. then again, it kind of insulates you in a way because when the original ABA started, they were supposed to start with 12 teams. Right. They wound up starting with 11 because mm-hmm. one team dropped out. And the problem with the original ABA and the World Hockey Association mm-hmm. is that what, what boils down to is, and the World Football League was like, I guess even the USFL, is that you've got some, and it's always guys, some guys have money, mm-hmm. some guys don't have money, right? some guys have no money. Yes. But if you get to that magic number of 8 or 10 or 12 teams, you've got to take in some weak sisters. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I guess with you know the league this size, you know, you've got 22 teams in your region. Mm-hmm. If it goes down to 20, not a big deal, because right. of the 24, great. Yes. So, yeah. and, it, and it's also kind of like a, it's also sort of like a revolving door kind of thing. So it's like for, for every team that you might lose, there's, a, there's another entrepreneur or business or company who says we can we can take a shot at this you know in a different yeah. market uh, perhaps somewhere in the region so um, just like we joined the league um, last year uh, there were probably three or four other teams alongside of us that started up this season as well and so you're right I mean there there every season there's probably going to be a team that doesn't make it, you know, because of the, the business model, the lack of support, maybe just poorly run, um, didn't have enough money, um, whatever the reason. Um, but there, there are also going to be those teams who are going to thrive and do very well. We hope we're in that category of teams that are, that are able to thrive and do very well. And we're off to a great, uh, great start. But I think the thing that we've learned is there are a lot of one man opera there, there, well, not a lot, but, but I think, the teams that are less, that are the least successful in the ABA are ones that try to do one man operations. And this is not a one person operation type thing. We've got a pretty good team and it's still a lot of work. You know, yeah. we've, we've got a lot of people who are supporting us. And, you know, there are just so many um, different aspects to making a team work from soliciting sponsorships and nurturing those business partnerships to marketing and advertising to doing press like this to uh, making sure your players are are satisfied and working on contracts, player contracts and coaching contracts and, and uh, you know, getting uniforms. And I mean, there are just a lot of pieces to making, say, uh, yeah. you know, the game experience, developing yeah. that, you know, making sure fans are comfortable. So, you need a lot of people involved in your organization to make something like that work. And we've been fortunate and blessed to have a lot of people around us helping us with that. But if it was just the three of us trying to make this thing work, it, it would, it wouldn't work. And there are some ABA franchises that are trying to do it with one person. Like one person is trying to, you know, take on building a team and it just can't, you know, it can't be done. You know, you got to have, you don't just have to have money. You also have to have a team, a good team around you and, uh, you know, some smart people who are business minded. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fairly smart guy. I know a lot of different things being in the newspaper business, but I don't know everything. You know, I, yeah. I know a little bit about a lot of things. 
And when you get in a process like this, you really find out how much you don't know. And if you don't have, if you don't have smart people who do know around you, it's, it's kind of very tough to navigate, you know, some of the waters. And so, um, you know, we've been smart enough and humble enough to know what we don't know and then to find people, you know, who do know it to be a part of our circle. And so, um, um, we think that's going to help contribute to, to the success we're going to have this season. I was going to say, it's, even though it's not the NBA, you're still doing all the things an NBA team has to do. Absolutely. You have to schedule. You have to mm-hmm. get almost the same number of uniforms. It's the same size team mm-hmm. when it comes to guys. Mm-hmm. You have to secure an arena. You have to, you know, you have to worry about the, the broadcast. And, and yeah. even at that, there's something you have to hustle even more. Yeah. Because, you know, you got to scramble to, you know, the local TV station wants to carry the Cavaliers, like Fox wants to carry the Cavaliers games. Right. Fox just shows up and she was the Cavaliers yeah, game. Absolutely. You guys probably have to re- not to source video people to order to stream it up to Zingo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and even getting, I mean, I think even the challenge of getting, you know, uh, local media to um, be willing to dedicate resources to come out to, you know, cover the team. Um, you know, we knew that was going to be kind of an uphill battle to do that. We've been fortunate because we have, uh, we have gotten some, some pre-press coming up. And now that we're playing games, um, you know, obviously we would love to have the local stations come out and, and cover one of the games and begin to, you know, show some highlights from the games on, on the broadcasts. And, and, uh, but when you have a weekend like last weekend, you know, the crosstown shootouts going on, UC football is going on. We know news departments have limited resources to cover these things. Um, for all of the reasons we were talking about earlier yeah. about, uh, news organizations. And so if you, if you got to make a choice between the Ohio Kings and the crosstown shootout, we know who, we know what lo- what the choice the local stations are going to make. And, and as somebody who's in the news business, you know, I fully understand why that's the, the case, but, um, so we know we're in a we're in a prove it stage at this point. Hmm. Um, I forgot my other question was going to be. I had one as you were talking, and then it completely escaped me. Um, so you're going to play. Oh, I know what it was. Uh, the players mm-hmm. they live in town, and are you doing a thing where? Because uh, I know a lot of leagues have tried this. Is do you seek out players that maybe have some kind of local connection to the area, mm-hmm. or is it just bringing the best guys that we can at this level and go from there? Yeah. So I think. Um, Obviously, we obviously we would love to get local names that people can uh, that people would know that would be an attraction, um, you know, to them. Um, and we do have some we do have some local guys, you know, who who played uh, either high school here or in colleges, sort of uh, sort of in and around the area. Um, but our process of finding the players first and foremost began with we want the most talented guys, no matter where they're from, um, to be able to come and, and compete because at the end of the day, um, you know, we want to win, we want to win championships. We want to put a successful product on the, on the floor. So we don't, we don't care where you're from as long as you can, you know, be here for the practices and the games and be committed to what we're doing. And you're a quality individual. I mean, so again, that's, that's another thing, you know, that, um, we're not going to, um, no matter how talented a guy is, he's got to be able to fit in the frame within the framework of the brand and what we want to present. You know, we are, we are selling the Ohio Kings as high quality, family friendly environment. And we got to have guys, you know, who are talented, but who also buy into that idea of that and know how to conduct themselves both on and off the court, um, uh, so that it can feed into that brand. So what we did was over the spring and summer, we held uh, tryouts in different cities. So we held okay. tryouts in Columbus. We held tryouts in Dayton. We held tryouts in Indianapolis, Cincinnati. Um 
to attract our players. We didn't go outside of those markets because we kind of realized with the ABA, um, if guys have to travel too far, that right. creates an issue. Because because these guys go to work on Monday, I guess right? They, 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 yeah. they could live in Indianapolis and right. drive to Cincinnati right. on Saturday it, for the game. Exactly. Yeah. You okay. know, Columbus is about ninety minutes right, away, right. so there's not too much of a stretch. So um, you know, if guys are working, if they've got jobs, you know, through the week, Monday through Friday jobs, we're not trying to put. Uh, you know, our team in a position or them in a position where um, they're not going to be able to consistently participate. That's not good for them, not good for the team. So we wanted to draw the best players from those areas. And so we held tryouts over the spring and summer. Um, we advertised on social media and in all of the places where we know that players look for those kinds of things and opportunities. And um, we pulled from that. So we, we probably started out with maybe 20, 25 guys out of those tryouts that we had um, over the course of the summer as we were building the program after the tryouts. Um, you know, you had some guys who became impatient with the process. You know, it's it's one of those things when you're trying to build a program mm-hmm. and you're telling guys, trust the process, be patient. Um, you know, some of these guys, uh, you know, they've kind of heard, maybe heard that before in some other experience and they become impatient and, and don't want to wait um, or other opportunities come. And so they move off. So we probably had, you know, out of those 25 guys we came out of the trials with, we probably lost five, you know, just to time and the and oh, yeah. impatience. Um, and so I think we went into training camp in October with about uh, 20 guys. We wanted to come into the season with a roster of about 12 or 13. And so we sort of whittled down through our training camp to get down to the guys that we wanted to have. So we've started the season off with 13. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we've got a couple of other guys that are starting to get some looks from some other leagues. So we, we may lose a couple of them um, as we go through the season. But, you know, we've still got those guys keep in touch with the guys through the process. And okay. and, uh, and we even hear from – I mean, since – since the team has launched, um, guys have kind of come out of the woodwork uh, who are now interested um, in uh, seeing how they can be attached with the Kings. And so um, so we're going to keep a workout, tryout process going, kind of keep guys in the, the uh, you know, kind of keep guys in the pipeline so that uh, if we have guys who move on to other opportunities that we can quickly reload with talented uh, with talented players. Sounds good. Well, this has been amazing. I learned so yeah. much about the the new Ohio Kings and the American Basketball Association. Kevin Aldridge, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much um, for having me on. We, we have uh, one more little bit of business to take care of. I don't know if you've heard previous episodes of the podcast, but as a guest, you get to choose a promo code, which uh, folks can come to our website and use to take 20% off of their purchase or into our stores. So you get to choose a, uh, a word or phrase that will be the code for the next week while this episode is up. Okay. And uh, what will that word be? Uh, kings. There you go. Yeah, simple as that. All right. Just put Kings in at uh, CincyShirts.com or come in the store and say Kings. You heard it on the podcast. They'll give you 20% off. And uh, oh, where can people find the Kings? You said you have the website, the, theohiokings.com. Theohiokings.com. They can find us on Facebook. If they just type in Ohio Kings, they can find our Facebook page cool. on on Instagram, OH Kings Basketball on Instagram and Twitter, um, OH Kings Basket B1. Twitter. I know that's not as uh, not as simple as the other tags yeah. that we had, but Ohio Kings was but gone. Once you follow your yeah, button, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so definitely right. go on and follow and check us out. Uh, all of our information. We got a great social media person uh, who keeps our our social media hopping. So all of the news and updates on the Kings are, are on those channels. Great. All right. Well, go see the Ohio Kings and uh, look for them hopefully on Zingo soon. 
And uh, again, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Kevin Aldridge, Pro Basketball is back in Cincinnati. How about that? And, uh, oh, go to theohiokings.com for all your Ohio Kings information. That'll point you to their social media channels, and you can get tickets and all that fun stuff. And go check out the Ohio Kings Pro Basketball team. Now, if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, podcast at cincyshirts.com, and put podcast guest in the subject line. Use that same email to donate to the show via PayPal or Venmo. And if you do email us about a guest, just uh, maybe tell us a little bit about the person, why you think they'd be a good guest, and then we'll try to track that person down. If you haven't already, go back and plunder those Cincy Shirts archives. We have all kinds of uh, great episodes back there. The famous, the not-so-famous, but all people who make Cincinnati and the Tri-State so great and interesting. Today's show is produced by me, with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find all of their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Speaking of Philadelphia, you can find great adventure from places like Philadelphia, Seattle, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, and a whole lot more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Lots of defunct sports teams. Uh, there's hockey, basketball, uh, speaking of. We have some a- uh, original ABA stuff in there, so you can poke around in there. Old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations, stuff like that. Uh, like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is... Kings. Simple as that. All uppercase, all lowercase, mix and match, doesn't matter, should work either way. You can use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. And uh, you can also use that in our physical and brick and mortar stores. How about that? Over the Ryan Hyde Park and Loveland. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest NC Shirts news. Give us a good review wherever you get your podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.